Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, confusion, questioning, and God's encouragement. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. So before we get started, I have another project that I'm working on, and I'm not quite ready to tell everybody what it is, but that is the reason that I do not have the written study online yet. So give me until the middle of September, the end of September, and that will be done. Sorry about that. It's just something else came up. So Last week, Aaron and Moses went to Pharaoh and told him that the Lord had told them to let the people go and that they feared him. So they needed to do what he told them to do. And Pharaoh basically countered that with, he's not my Lord. And as a matter of fact, maybe I am your boss and you should fear me. And he tried to prove that by making them work harder. So now they have to make the same number of bricks but without straw. He told them that they have to go find their own straw because he's trying to make them busy and keep them from even thinking about wanting to leave and go worship God. So that's where we leave off from last week. Let's go to verse 15. This is a recap of last week. It says, the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh saying, why are you dealing thus with your servants? There's no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is of your own people. But he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Therefore, now go and work. For no straw will be given to you, yet you shall deliver the same quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from the daily quota. So they've gone in, they've asked Pharaoh to lighten his sentence on them, basically, and he refuses. And so we're going to pick up there and read down to verse 23, starting in verse 20. It says, Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you've made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. And so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So as soon as Moses and Aaron came out from talking to Pharaoh, the people were waiting on him, right? And they immediately blamed him. They're like, you made everything worse. What in the world have you done? Yeah, we were slaves before, but now our work is unbearable, you know, and it's all your fault. And so immediately after they get questioned by the people, 
then they go to God and they do the same thing. They're like, we do not understand. Why did you bring us here just for everything to get worse for the people? Let me just read again what Moses says to to God. He says, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why did you even send me? Since I came to speak to Pharaoh in your name, he's only done evil to the people and you haven't delivered your people at all. He's like, why would you do this to your people? I don't understand. And you sent me here to be their deliverer, except they're not delivered and Pharaoh's just mad. And now everything is worse than it was before. So what did you even send me here for? I don't even get this at all. And, you know, as the reader years later, it's easy for us to look at Moses and say, you know, why are you so surprised? God told you like several times. That was part of our lesson the week before last was why God was telling him, you know, I'm going to harden his heart and it's going to take a mighty hand to compel him and all of those things because God was trying to prepare him. Hey, this is not going to be easy. But apparently he just didn't get it because, like I said, from our perspective, we're like, he told you it wasn't going to be easy. He told you Pharaoh wasn't going to listen. I mean, he specifically said the Israelites will listen to you. Pharaoh will not. And so it's curious to know what Moses thought was going to happen. If Pharaoh wasn't going to listen to him, he was just going to say no, and that was going to be it. Or he was going to be like, oh, sorry, you know, I guess you guys have been working a little too hard. You know, you don't have to go out and worship your God or anything, but just go home, take a few days off, chill out a little bit. I mean, seriously, it's like, what did he expect, right? But... If we're honest, even though Moses knew that he may not listen, he did not expect this kind of backlash, right? He did not expect things to get worse. He probably did just expect him to not listen and it take a little convincing or whatever, even though God told him he would have to compel him by a mighty hand. And they're being attacked by the other people. And those people are the ones that are suffering the consequences of Moses and Aaron's actions. And so when they accuse them, they're like, yeah, we did do that. And we do feel bad. You know, if it was us, I'm sure we wouldn't be going to these people saying, hey, don't worry about it. I know you have twice the work and you're getting beaten when you don't do it. I get it. I know it's hard, but you know, I was expecting a little resistance. God told me it wasn't going to be super easy that he wasn't going to listen right away. And so we just have to keep at it. God's not going to let us down. Just be patient. You know, that's probably not what we would be saying. We probably would feel horrible and be thoroughly confused. And honestly, we've probably been like this in our own lives because when things get hard, we want it to stop. That's just instinctive. And generally, we feel like if we're doing something good, if we're doing what God wants us to do, it's supposed to go smoothly. It's supposed to go quickly. Everything's supposed to be easy if we're doing it God's way. You know, for some reason, we have that in our mind. We've decided that if God's in it, then it's just going to be easy sailing the whole way. And then when our first attempt fails or things do get worse, then we get discouraged and we start questioning, you know, what is going on here? And it's easy to wonder, where are you, God? What are you doing? You know, I do not understand this plan. Pretty sure you told me to do this and yet it's not working or everything's worse and I just don't understand. 
And then on the flip side of that, sometimes we do understand. Sometimes we fully know that this is what God told us to do and that we just need to keep going. It's not going to be easy, but we were prepared for that. But then we just are like, you know, I believe you. And I know in the end, this is all going to be better, but it's just too hard. Process is too long. This is too hard. I don't know if it's worth it. Like, I don't know if I can make it through all the bad to get to the good. Even though I know that you have something good in store for me, I just don't know if I can make it. I mean, I don't know if y'all have ever felt like that. I have. And it's hard. It's hard because you really do know that God's there and you know that he's going to get you through it to the end. But you're like, when is the end? How long is this going to take? And how hard is it going to get before the end comes? Because I just don't know how much more I can take. And this is just the start, you know. But the thing is, is that whenever we feel like this, we just have to remember the truth that's in God's word. That's why we read his word. That's why we read stories like this to encourage us, to keep us going, you know, and We have to remember the things that we already talked about with Moses before he ever even got there about how God is the one that called him. And so if God calls him and sends him to do something, then he's going to fulfill it. And so it's the same thing with us. If God calls us to do something, he is going to fulfill the purposes that he has for us in that. Once you listen to 1 Thessalonians 5.24. It says, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. That's pretty straightforward. If God calls you, he is faithful. He will do whatever he called you to do. So we do just have to be patient and trust him, right? Listen to what it says in Numbers 19. God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? So if you're certain, if you are certain that God has called you to do this thing and he has told you this is what he wants you to do, then know that he's in it, that he's going to fulfill it. He can't lie. He doesn't change his mind. If he has set you on a task, then he's going to bring it about to the end. So yes, it may be hard. It may not be the way we want it to be. It may be too long, but we know he's in it, right? And so we just have to trust him. We know from what the Bible tells us that God's time is not our time and his way is not our way. And so we just have to trust him and know that he's God and we're not. Here's a couple of verses that back that up. This is Psalm 94 and it says, For a thousand years in your sight are as but yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. So a thousand years to God is like a day to us is what that's saying. His time is not the same as ours. So it feels forever long sometimes to us when we're dealing with these types of things, when things are getting worse, whenever it's all hard. Sometimes five minutes can feel like forever. Sometimes it's a year. Sometimes it's several years. But all of that time to God is is nothing in the grand scheme of things. So even though, yes, it may be going on for longer than what we anticipate, that doesn't mean God's not in it. It doesn't mean that he's decided to give up because those verses we read before said, if he says he will do it, he will do it. And so we know it's going to be done. We just have to have the endurance to make it through. Also, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. 
It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So whenever things are hard, it's never the way we would choose, right? We're always like, you could have just done this in a different way. Why would you do it like this whenever it's hard when you can just do it like this? But we have to understand that God does have a purpose. And whatever his reason is, it's better than ours. It's just difficult for us at the time. So just because it doesn't happen quickly doesn't mean that it's not ever going to happen. And because it's not our way doesn't mean that it's not the right way. All of this just means there's a process and there's a process that is better than ours. And we just don't understand it because we're not on the same level as him, obviously. And so we just have to rely on him for guidance and strength and endurance, right? Because if we know he's called us and we know he's going to finish this and we know that it may not be our way, but he's doing it in the right way, then what we need is just endurance and strength to make it through and just his continuous guidance, right? Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we have to remember that no matter what our state is, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He can strengthen us and we can do it. We will make it through. We have to tell ourselves, you know, over and over, we can make it to the finish line. It's just like when you're running a long race, right? You want to quit. You think it's too hard. But you just have to keep saying to yourself, just keep going. You're going to make it to the end soon. You're going to be fine. And so we just have to keep telling ourselves that because if we know God's called us and we know he's in it and we know he's going to bring the intended result about at some point, then we just have to make it through the best we can. Okay, so let's read the first five verses of chapter six. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. And God spoke to Moses, and he said, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. So whenever Moses comes to him and says, why is this happening? I don't understand. Why did you send me? And why have you not delivered the people? God was so gentle and encouraging to him, right? He could have been like, I told you this was not going to be easy. I don't know what you were thinking. But instead, he says, I am going to do what I told you I was going to do. He will let them go, but I'm going to have to compel him. That's just the way it's going to be. And even though Moses logically knew this, God's saying, now maybe you'll understand what I'm talking about. Do you notice that? The first he says, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. 
he's telling Moses, I told you before, so you knew it in your head, but now maybe you'll completely understand that this isn't going to be an easy task. And then as this process goes on, you're going to continue to understand because I'm going to continue to reveal myself. He says that he revealed himself to their fathers as God Almighty. He told the fathers that he was powerful and he made them all these promises. But now he's showing Moses in this generation that he's powerful. Whenever he says, by my name, Lord, I wasn't known to them. That's because they had never seen what that power could do. They logically knew it because God told them that he was almighty. But now he's going to manifest himself in this power. And so they're going to be experiencing a kind of power that only their fathers had been told about. Okay, let's read a couple more verses. This is beginning in verse 6. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, But they didn't heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. So not only did God want Moses to be encouraged, not only did he want Moses to have endurance, but he wanted this for the children of Israel too. And so he told Moses, go tell the children all of the things that I will do. And then he lists seven different I will things. He says, I will bring them out of Egypt. I will deliver them. I will redeem them. I will make them my people. I will be their God. I will bring them into the promised land and I will give it to them as a possession. All of those things he told them that he would do. And before the I wills and after the I wills, he says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord and I will do all these things. I am the Lord. Reminding them they will experience all of the things that he's saying to them. And when he does bring them out of Egypt, he said he will specifically bring them out from under the burdens and the bondage that the Egyptians have placed them under. And you notice his redemption comes with an outstretched arm. God says, I'm going to reach all the way from heaven and redeem my people. And whenever I reach down, I'm going to hand down great judgments against this horrible master. He's continuing to compare himself to Pharaoh, reminding them how blessed they are to have him as their master and not Pharaoh, right? Because if they're starting to get discouraged and just wanting to stay, he's like, you don't want to stay. These people burden you. They oppress you. You don't want to stay. I am going to do all these things and you just have to be patient. He kept telling them of the reward that they would get whenever they persevered and reminded them of what they have now if they don't, right? Because he's going to finally bring them into the promised land, the thing that's been promised for generations before them. 
And he's going to give them that land that they can live in it, that it'll be theirs. They can have their own nation. And all of these things should have been super, super encouraging to the people. They should have been like, yes, you are the Lord. I believe what you say, and I am excited about what you're going to do for us. But both Moses and the people were still discouraged. Let's read the rest of this passage. We're going to go back up to verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they didn't heed Moses because of the anguish and spirit and the cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spoke before the Lord and said, The children of Israel haven't listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. And then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command from the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children out of the land of Egypt. So Moses said all these things to the Israelites and they were just too upset. God was going to have to show them. The words were not working at this point. And so God turns his focus back to Pharaoh and he says, go tell Pharaoh that he needs to let y'all go. Go back in there. Do this again. But Moses is still discouraged too. He doesn't feel any better either. And he continues to tell God, you know, apparently I'm not a very persuasive speaker. I tried to persuade the people. It's not working. I tried to persuade Pharaoh and that's obviously not working. And it's discouraging because Moses still doesn't see that God does not need him to be confident. He just needs him to be obedient, right? God can work with his words. It's like, I don't care if you have the most persuasive words. I can deal with that. I just need you to go back in and open your mouth. Like that's all I'm asking of you. Just open your mouth. The other times God did address his inadequacies. You know, he said, no, you can, you know, I made you, you can do it. This time he's like, I'm not going to go there. Just go. Notice that at the very end, he says, he gave Moses and Aaron the command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh the king to bring the children out of the land of Egypt. So he's like, you know what? We're not going to keep talking about how you aren't good at this. I just need you to go in and open your mouth. Go in and do it. And so I just want to say for us today that Israel's God has not changed. He's still the same God today as he was back then. If you happen to be in a place where you only logically know about his power, where he hasn't revealed it to you yet, know that he can because he has revealed it to you through his word. Even if you haven't experienced it in your own life, you can know that God is capable of so many things. And so he is still a deliverer and a redeemer. He still has the power to do that. He can be the Lord that frees us from all of the other oppressive masters, all the things that have a hold over us, all the things that compete for lordship in our lives. We just have to turn to him and obey his leading. That's really it. And this should give us so much hope knowing that he is the Lord God of all things. You know, we talked about in another lesson, whenever we hear witness of things, it grows our faith. This is witness. What God is telling the people, how he's telling them, I'm going to do these things. We need to be watching through this entire interaction between Moses and Pharaoh, knowing that God has told us that he is mighty and now he's going to reveal that. And when we see that, then we can be encouraged in our own faith. 
just like God was trying to encourage the Israelites in the pain that they were experiencing and all the discouragement, he was trying to tell them, you know, there's a greater reward than your punishment. You think that this is bad, but I have something in store for you that's not even comparable. Listen to what he tells us in Romans eight eighteen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. So we know that no matter what our sufferings are on this earth, they're nothing to be compared to the glory that we will experience in heaven one day. That's for certain. But it may even be that here on this earth for us, that our present suffering, our present pain is no comparison for the future that God has in store for us. And just like them, there's no better God for us to be serving. He gives the very best gifts to his children. God kept trying to remind the people, you do not want to stay here. He oppresses you. He burdens you. I do not do that. I am going to do all these other things that are so wonderful. And it's the same for us. We do not want to be burdened by the masters of this world. And the God that we should serve is so worthy of that service. Such a wonderful master. There's no reason for us to choose our present suffering over the greater reward that we receive from him. Listen to what it says in Matthew seven eleven. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? He is a good God, and He's worthy of our service. Okay, so the last of this chapter is interrupting the story in order to remind us of who Moses and Aaron are. And I'm not going to read all of this because it's not something that's going to be interesting to listen to. But I will summarize what it is. It just tells us the first two sons that Jacob had, which are Reuben and Simeon, and who their sons are. And then it tells us about the third son, Levi. And it settles there on Levi because that is the line that Moses and Aaron come from. And so they're just starting out saying, remember God had Reuben and Reuben had these kids, but he isn't the one I'm talking about. And then he had Simeon, and Simeon had these sons, but he isn't the one that I'm talking about. And then he had Levi, and Levi's the one that y'all need to be interested right now in. And Levi had three sons and eight grandsons and ended up dying at the age of 137. And one of his sons' names was Kohath, and he lived to be 133, and he had a son named Amram. And that son lived to be 137, same age as his grandfather, Levi. And Amram was the father of Moses and Aaron. And his wife, Jochebed, Moses and Aaron's mom, was either Levi's daughter or granddaughter. And it's difficult to know exactly which because of the translation of the languages. A lot of times they didn't necessarily distinguish between the two very well in their words. So either Amram married his aunt or his cousin. We're not really sure, but her name was Jochebed. That's what we do know. And so Amram and Jochebed were Moses and Aaron's parents. And so Moses and Aaron were the great, great grandsons of Levi. 
So that story was just interrupted a bit to say that. And then we'll read beginning in verse 26 to the end of the chapter. So it says, These people that I just described are the same Moses and Aaron to whom the Lord said, Bring the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day that the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to him, Behold, I'm of uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh listen to me? So that's how we're going to end this week. Next week, we will pick up with Moses going back to Pharaoh and really beginning this battle. This week, I just want to use the encouragement that God gave to Moses and the Israelites to encourage you. And just remind you that if you're going through something that's difficult and you're questioning where God is, know that he's there. Know that if he has sent you to do something, he will fulfill that purpose. And it just may not be in our time or in our way, but he can strengthen you. He can get you through whatever it is that he has in store and you very well will get to the other side and have such a greater reward than your present suffering could ever be compared to. So just be encouraged today that he is a mighty deliverer. He is a redeemer. He can free you from whatever burdens or oppression that you're dealing with. And so I hope that gives you hope and faith in him today. I hope that it gives you a desire to serve him, even though it may be hard because you know that he loves you. He cares about you. He is going to be a better master than any other that you could ever have. So be encouraged by that today. Next week, we'll begin to watch this story unfold and begin to see God manifest himself in this power that he keeps telling everyone about. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Also, leave me comments wherever you're listening. Give me a five-star review. And if you want to email me instead, My email address is Courtney at livethroughjesus.com. Let the words of God in this verse encourage you today, and then we'll continue on with it next week. Thanks and have a good day. Mm